can go and get a private attorney like, you know, Jeb and the folks, but he just mentioned who've, who've written these articles and who can, you know, talk to you about the allegations and work with you on filing a complaint. Um, and then that would make its way to the Department of Justice. Corporate fraud works best in the shadows, behind corporate walls. How does the government bring these wrongdoers to justice? Whistleblowers. These are the stories of those who risk their careers to shine a light on allegations of fraud. Today on Fraud in America. Well, welcome to today's show of Fraud in America. We are joined by a very special guest, a friend, a longtime public servant, one of the best attorneys I know. Uh, by the way, before we get started, I don't want to forget this. Uh, she is speaking in her personal capacity, not as a official with the Department of Justice. Her name is Sarah McLean. She's an assistant director of the commercial litigation branch of the Department of Justice. Uh, she's been with the Justice Department for over 20 years, including a time as a trial attorney in civil frauds, handling various false claims at matters, which of course is a topic that we talk about here quite often. You name it, she has been involved. She's won many, many awards. I'm so glad you're joining us. Sarah McLean, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jeb. It's a very nice introduction. I appreciate it. Good to be with you. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's interesting. I, I mentioned many things uh, that you've handled over this time. Um, the one that we're going to talk about today is cyber security, cyber fraud. And just to give people a, a little bit of a context here. So in October of 2021, DOJ announced the uh, Civil Cyber Fraud Initiative. And then on February 24th, Russia invades Ukraine. Sanctions are put in place. And this week, March 21st, President Biden warns that uh, Russia may put in some uh, retaliation, right, where there's this concern from the Biden administration. Uh, they've warned U.S. businesses repeatedly, uh, including this week, uh, that they should be on high alert for the potential of uh, debilitating Russian cyber attacks that could occur in the form of retaliation for the punishing economic sanctions that were put in place against Russia over its invasion of Ukraine. All of this seems to be heading in a direction of what you were uh, put in place back in October, this civil cyber fraud initiative. Can you talk about that initiative and what the focus is? Sure. So cybersecurity is obviously just hugely important to government wide. And these recent events highlight it, but you know, we've been on quite a run between um, solar winds, colonial pipeline. I mean, it just seems like every time you turn around, there's another sort of major um, cybersecurity issue facing the country and the, the federal government specifically. So back in May, maybe, you know, close to a year ago now, the president um, put out an executive order directing all federal agencies to basically marshal their resources and get around uh, this problem. Uh, but you know, in connection with with that executive order, you know, agencies all over the government um, took a look at this issue, and at DOJ we did as well. You know, obviously there's a ton that DOJ does in the area of cybersecurity. Uh, but we in the civil fraud section uh, recognize that we have a, a powerful tool to contribute to this effort too, namely the False Claims Act and our partnership with you know, the whistleblower bar. So uh, the Deputy Attorney General announced this civil cyber fraud initiative, as you said, in October to sort of 
to get out the word that we are now and plan to use the False Claims Act in this area to enforce cybersecurity requirements. Um, so yeah, that was announced in October and um, we've been uh, off and running since then. So uh, when Abraham Lincoln encouraged Congress to pass the False Claims Act, he, of course, is very concerned about the dark web and cybersecurity. Uh, <laughs> and here we are. It's becoming a big concern. Um, right. why, why is the False Claims Act <laughs> such an important weapon uh, to go after this? Why, why is the False Claims Act in particular uh, the, the avenue of choice that the Justice Department is highlighting? Well, uh, you know, the False Claims Act is the government's primary civil tool to go after fraud involving public money. Obviously, you know, we can also send people to jail, and there is a major sort of counterintelligence piece to the cybersecurity puzzle besides the False Claims Act. But False Claims Act has been, um, you know, as you know, tremendously successful in getting money back to the government, but also, I think, in influencing the behavior of those who do business with the government. Um, encouraging compliance, deterring non-compliance, and really ensuring a level playing field, which is something that I think is really important in the cybersecurity area. I mean, it is not right, it is not fair, and it is not workable to have some contractors and grantees following the rules in this area, investing resources in it, and others not, and just getting away with it. So, you know, it's incredibly, it's incredibly powerful because it has the trouble damages and penalties mechanism. And the other thing, of course, that makes it incredibly powerful is the QUITAM provisions because um, the False Claims Act incentivizes whistleblowers to come forward by uh, giving a share of the recovery, 15 to 30% in, in almost every case uh, where there is a recovery. Uh, you know, we incentivizes people with information, valuable information, um, to, to tell us about it. And, um, you know, that's critical to bringing these cases and especially in a, an area that can be technical like this. I don't want to suggest all these cases are super technical because unfortunately there are some pretty blatant, you know, failures that anybody could understand. You know, my, uh, my grandmother could, <laughs> could explain to you. Um, <laughs> but when we get into the technical side, uh, you know, having insiders who really understand what's going on and can say, this company promised this and they weren't doing it, um, you know, is, is, is really valuable. And that's kind of at the core of what, what the QUITAM provisions are trying to incentivize. Um, competitors also who understand what's going on um, can be in a very good spot to, to, to let us know about that. Um, but I think that that's a really helpful piece of this effort. So you mentioned solar winds. Uh, so solar winds, just to refresh everyone's memory, was what we believe to be a Russian-backed effort to uh, infiltrate different agencies and businesses through uh, some malware. Um, can you talk about some other kinds of cases or, or uh, fraud or concerns that you guys are focusing in on right now? Right. So I think, you know, I don't want to obviously talk about specific sure. cases, but um, there are three areas that we've sort of identified as as being ones that, that could be fruitful to pursue. One is uh, just failure to abide by um, the requirements in contracts and grants. And, and of course, talking about a knowing failure, material violations in contracts and grants, um, not just any mistake that gets, happens to be made. Um, another is telling lies or uh, misleading the government into entering into some sort of a financial relationship, sort of what we in the, in the whistleblowers and um, government side of the house and the defense side would call the fraudulent inducement. Um, of claims. And those can occur in contracts that are for IT or 
you know, somebody's hired to run a government computer system, or um, they can occur in contracts uh, that are for something else where IT requirements, cybersecurity requirements are not being met. Um, and grants also frequently come with cybersecurity requirements. Um, and the grant can, the grant is very likely not going to be for specifically for IT, it would be for something else. But we say, if you're getting our grant money, we want you to comply with, with certain, you know, these certain cybersecurity requirements. Um, so um, those are two areas. And then the third area that we're very interested in is incident reporting requirements. Um, so you mentioned solar winds. I just would say that, you know, the fact of a breach does not mean that there was a violation of a government requirement. Um, and these cases are very specific. You've got to look at what, what specifically was required and what specifically would have made the claim to the government false. But there are requirements to report incidents to the government, and that's a huge part of the cyber defense effort within the government is to know about incidents when they happen. And so um, we are very interested in cases where incidents were not being reported and, and they should have been under a contract or a grant. Subject matter wise, it can, this can, these can come in, in all across government. I mean, they can come in the area, certainly defense is a big area, um, but also safeguarding personal information is a big area. So you can see this in healthcare, um, these kinds of cases in healthcare. Um, we announced a settlement recently that had to do with um, employee health information that was not um, being properly safeguarded. Grant money is available for you know, all sorts of things, huge amounts of, of money for you say infrastructure, for example, is being spent right now, that comes with cybersecurity requirements. So any, I mean, really, really in, in many, many areas where the government's spending money, uh, these kinds of material violations of cybersecurity requirements may happen and can be, you know, if they're knowing, can be the basis for one of these false claims act cases. Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, just to highlight for everyone who's watching and listening, um, if you go to the show notes, we include links to a lot of these things, including the DOJ's announcement uh, about the Civil Cyber Fraud Initiative. We also include a link to a, a blog post written by Vince McKnight, which goes over some of these allegations or uh, instances where the False Claims Act could come into play. So it's very important. It's a very specific tool that fits a very specific nut. <laughs> uh, it doesn't address all fraud, but uh, that blog post goes into some of those areas and then uh, a link to a blog post written by Rachel Rose, uh, who was one of the relators counsel in that case that settled uh, that Sarah just mentioned. One, you know, one thing I didn't mention, yeah. I should have mentioned intelligence, obviously, you know, cybersecurity requirements yeah. are huge in, among the intelligence agencies. So that's another area where I think um, we could certainly see a bunch of these cases. Yeah, I, I, I find it really interesting, um, you know, as we sat down and try to uh, map out all the different agencies or uh, where this could come into play. You know, it's banking, it's healthcare through EMR, right? Everything is electronic now. So the, the concern about cybersecurity touches everything now, right? Yeah, I mean, I really think it does. So uh, whenever President Biden announced this warning to the business community, there were several things that jumped out at us. You know, he highlights that, you know, to a large extent, the businesses need to take a, a proactive role here. And he said that the reality is that much of the nation's critical infrastructure is owned and operated by the private sector and private sector must act to protect the critical services on which all Americans rely. Um, so, you know, this is, we're trying our best to get the word out that businesses need to do their part 
the government, of course, is doing its part by setting up all these initiatives and whistleblowers need to step up. Can you talk about, um, you know, there's likely somebody watching today's show, listening to today's program who knows there's something happening within their employer, for example, that is very relevant to what we're talking about today. What would you say to that person? Well, I would say, you know, as a citizen, you should bring that to the attention of the government. Um, and you can do it by reporting it to um, a hotline. And that can be done anonymously, although it's not as um, useful to the government, you know, if it's anonymous. Or it can be done by, um, you know, pursuing a QUITAM suit. Um, you know, reaching out one of these False Claims Act quitam suits that I think a lot of people listening are probably aware of, but um, you can go and get a private attorney like, you know, Jeb and the folks, but he just mentioned who've, who've written these articles and who can, you know, talk to you about the allegations and work with you on filing a complaint. Um, and then that would make its way to the Department of Justice. But on our, on our website um, for the civil fraud section at DOJ, we do have a information about how to report fraud to the um, inspector general hotlines. And um, I would say, you know, I would say, as I said, as a citizen, you should report it. Uh, if you file a QUITAM, you, you know, your uh, attorney can advise you on the implica implications of that. One of them is that you could get some money out of it, but there are other ones as well. Um, but uh, I would say absolutely come forward. Hmm. So I, um, I find this area fascinating. The whole cyber world. It's very matrix to me. Uh, and I try not to be a Luddite, but trying to understand the dark web and all these different things. You said something very interesting earlier. You said, you know, a lot of these aren't complex matters. They are, your grandmother would understand this is theft or somebody saying they're going to do something and not doing it and lying about it. Right. So a lot of these cases are just applied to a new world, but some of the same fraud schemes that you've been prosecuting over the last 20 years. Right. And even the um, even the cybersecurity type requirements that are violated now, you know, the grandparents may or may not understand that, but not having the correct password controls, very, very rudimentary sort of basic security measures not being followed. You know, posting people's medical information on the website where it can be accessed, you know, by by anybody who wants to see it. That's not that's not super sophisticated. You don't really have to. You don't have to have a computer science degree to understand uh, what's going on. So yeah, I think that's right. You know, and and the risks. I mean, the risks are huge. I mean, you know, you're running a government satellite. You're developing military equipment for the government. Um, you know, I think it uh, will be pretty easy to explain to jurors that we want our information to be held close. And if we've asked for that in a contract, uh, it's you know, it, it matters to us. And uh, we expect that to be, you know, that's, that's what we expect to be getting. And we haven't gotten the benefit of our bargain if that's not what we got. So we, we ask this on every single episode, but today we especially ask for your help. Um, the Justice Department in uh, our country needs your help. So we're looking for this episode to get out <clears throat> as far as and as wide as possible. So we ask people to share it, to post it, to tweet it, to Facebook it, to do all those things print it out and mail it to your grandmother. <laughs> uh, we need to get the word out about this important effort that the Justice Department's putting in place right now to go after cybersecurity fraud and protect our uh, vulnerable infrastructure at this critical time. 
Sarah, I just want to acknowledge you for your uh, 20 years of 20 plus years of public service to our country and all that you do uh, to keep us safe. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Jeb. I really appreciate the chance to be here. I look forward to look forward to hearing from from your uh, listeners. Absolutely. You're going to want to join us next week. This was, again, just a special episode uh, that we pulled together to highlight a very pressing need that we uh, have from our community. Uh, We're going to go back to our usual topics next week. You're going to want to join us on the next episode of Fraud in America. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Fraud in America. Today's episode was made possible because of the generous donation of longtime Taft supporter and whistleblower attorney David L. Heron. If you believe you have witnessed fraud against the government or fraud on the financial markets, we encourage you to visit our website at taf.org, where you will find a directory of member attorneys who represent whistleblowers across the country. On our website, you will also find additional information about our nation's various whistleblower laws and programs and a way to donate to our organization as we step forward in spreading information about whistleblower programs. This episode was edited and produced by Rachel Brooks, and our theme song is by Connor Chaos. A big thank you to our TAF staff and researchers of James King, Emma Bass, Jackie DeMar, Kate Scanlon, Max Boldman. Fraud in America is a project of Taxpayers Against Fraud Education Fund. The opinions expressed on today's show belong solely to the guest and are not necessarily endorsed by the organization. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Fraud in America.